and welcome to Authorised, the podcast where writers speak. My name's Kevin Hillier, and today you'll meet a very prolific Australian author who works in mostly the sporting area, but he's done some terrific books, and uh, his latest is a beauty. I'm sure you're going to love it. I'm sure you're going to love the chat that we'll uh, have to him about it very, very shortly. But of course, our authorised podcast is thanks to our very good friends at CSCG. Now, they're the people that help you out in the finance world. The one thing we know about the finance world is that things are always changing. Rules are changing, compliance issues, tax changes, uh, lending change you name it, the world of finance changes. And the one thing I do know about CSCG is that they definitely keep up with what's going on. They are the people to talk to uh, if you want to get your head around what's going on in the world of finance and how it affects you, they will tell you all the nitty-gritty of what it's all about. Give them a call, have a chat, double nine seven four eight triple three, or jump on their website and find out everything you need to know and also about the people that you'll be dealing with, cscg.com.au. Great people to deal with. Ken Peace has written, believe it or not, 85 books, 64 cricket books, and this is one of them. It's a great new book. It's a beautifully presented hardcover book. It's called 15 Minutes of Fame, Australia's 70 one-test wonders. Yes, just one test and then never uh, to be uh, announced again by the Australian uh, cricket selectors as being a part of the uh, very famous Australian eleven and getting another baggy green cap. But that one baggy green cap, wouldn't you love one of those? 15 Minutes of Fame, Australia's 70 one-test wonders. Let's talk to the man who's uh, not a one-book wonder. He's done heaps. His name is Ken Peace. Congratulations on yet another book. This must be the 85th time someone said that to you. I've got to get a real job, Kev. Uh, <laughs> always nice to always nice to, to, to speak to you. I am very proud of it. It's a lovely presentation. Everyone's got a story to tell, Kev, and it's chock full of stories. I was able to – there's 70 one-test wonders, 15 minutes of fame, and I've been able to talk to them around about 40, I reckon, of, of the 70, going way back, and he's long gone now, Freddie Freer, who played one test yeah. match – in 1946, and he was a member at Long Island Golf Club down at Frankston, my way, and he just loved talking about it. And I said, well, you've got a wicket with your fifth ball in test cricket. He said, yeah, that's right. Don Bradman was playing. What did the Don do? He said, he just walked up very calmly to me, said, well bowled, Sonny, and walked off again. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, these, these folks have all only played one game, which, I mean, I must admit, uh, and you and I were both fall into this category, as do, as do thousands of Australian uh, young men, and now more uh, happening young women. We would have killed to have played one test. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was always thinking that, uh, gee, if I went on tour, covering the tour, and uh, and they were short, you know, <laughs> if they were in, 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 in trouble, you know, at least I could I could be a subfielder or something like that. I think Henry Blofeld, the famous blowers, uh, he might have subbed uh, in a test match in India. Might have only been for half an hour, but at least he can say he's represented England. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, you're... Spot on, Kev. It's uh, it, it, it's the ultimate dream, and um, you know cricketers have been hurting over the last couple of weeks with passing of two of the greatest, and yeah. in, in my view, uh, certainly the greatest in, in Shane Warne. You know, people will say he was flawed, but hey, he was fabulous, and he was just transcended the game. So, um, one of uh, you mentioned all those books very kindly, Kev. I've done. I think I've. This is uh, cricket book number sixty four. Uh, Fifteen minutes of but I'm updating one of my Warnie books there as well. And just letting people know what a fabulous talent and how generous 
he was like with his foundation winding up. I think there was three hundred or four hundred thousand left in there. He gave it um, his Will Pekowski's mind coach, a young lass. Um, her boy suffered a really bad accident, and Shane just gave the three hundred or four hundred thousand that was left in the foundation straight to her to look after the little kid. Those sorts uh-huh. of things don't always make the press, uh, but. He was a fabulous talent, and we're still grieving for him, uh, as I know you are, Kev. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. And Rod Marsh was, uh, you know, uh, just talk about the, uh, the the stone that the Australian cricket success of, of modern times and, and particularly of the 70s and 80s and 90s was built on. It was a, it was a rock called Marsh. He was just he – was, he was the backbone of that team. Well, he was, and he's uh, a little bit like Don Bradman. You don't hear about their contributions much off the field, mm. but Bradman was amazing. For 30 years, he attended three committee meetings uh, every week for 30 years. Like, it was just astonishing commitment to the game. And Marshy was the same as an as administrator, as a manager, as a selector, but particularly as a coach at the old Australian Cricket Academy where Warney went, uh, Glenn McGrath went, and Big Blocker Wilson, who's in the One Test Wonders yes. uh, book, he said, I would never have been found except for Rodney Marsh. He said, oh, tell me, Blocker. Uh, he's an umpire now, and he's a big man, six foot yeah. five, uh, and he's um, he's built in proportion. And, and Blocker said, well, I went to the academy, and Rod saw me at the door, and he said, uh, literally, my head was at the top of the door, and everything else was uh, covering out, and I think I intimidated him. Rod said, of course you can have a trial. And so this was the year... Uh, come down to the nets. We've got a young kid from Tasmania called Ponting. You could bowl to him. And so Blocker was really keen to impress a fast bowler, and he started bowling bounces at a young 15-year-old, Ricky Ponting, who kept on swinging them right off his eye line straight into the bleachers at square leg, his signature <laughs> pull shot. And Blocker thought, wow, who is this kid? But Rod stuck with Wilson because he was so enthusiastic, so passionate, and he went all the way and played a, played a test match for, for Australia. So uh, that was uh, Rod Marsh's doing. Without him, as Blocker said, I would never have got anywhere near the testing. Yeah. And there's a couple of, uh, well, we're talking about that, there's a couple of wicket keepers who famously have only played one test who are featured in your in your book. I can think off the top of my head of Emery and uh, Manu were the two that immediately spring into my mind. Yeah, Graham Manu, who's married to Tamsin Lewis, of course. Yes. Tamsin Manu now, a great athlete. One of my favourites was Hemi Love. And Hemi uh-huh. played in the Bodyline series um, 1932-33. And by that stage, he was 37. And he wasn't going to uh, – he'd been a star player for years, but Australia, uh, as in the Rod Marsh era, they had a star wicketkeeper called Bert Oldfield. And Hemi couldn't – he kept on swapping states, trying to get Sheffield Jew games, but he couldn't get a, a game ahead of Oldfield. But Oldfield uh, was cleaned up by Larwood. Uh, remember, Larwood bowled him a bouncer and it ricocheted off uh, the top edge of the bat straight into um, Bert's skull, fractured his skull. And so Australia, for one test match anyway, needed a wicketkeeper. And Hammy Love, earlier in, in the year when Oldfield was uh, out injured, he'd uh, acted as a substitute wicketkeeper for New South Wales. Douglas Jardine, um, he very kindly allowed New South Wales to change their 11, which wasn't done in those days. Hammy kept, took three or four stumpings off some of the stars, including a young Bill O'Reilly, Tiger O'Reilly, the old mm-hmm. cricket fans remember him, and suddenly he found himself in a, in a test match, jettisoned into a test match after maybe the longest apprenticeship of anyone, 17 or 18 first-class seasons as a 
Sheffield Shield player, age 37, and, and he, he got his uh, he had his 15 minutes of fame. Wow! Uh, you b- b- decided to put uh, Len Johnson on the cover. What the decision to do that, and uh, it must have been a one that you agonised over, or not? Yeah, well, Len, Len Johnson, for those that don't know, he's maybe the unluckiest cricketer of them all. Okay, he did get to play one test match, uh, but in this was in 1948, and it was a test trial, and Don Bradman's last tour, the Ashes tour, his team became known as the Invincibles. Those 17 boys were guaranteed uh, immortality for life. And Len, on the very day that the 1948 touring team was selected, Kev, he took six wickets for 26 in a test match against the Indians. India collapsed in their second dig all out to 75, and Len was a hero. The team was announced at 4 o'clock that afternoon, and he wasn't in it. They went with Miller, Lindwall, of course, big names, Bill Johnston, and they the last place went to a local Paran boy called Sam Loxton, yeah. uh, who was an all-rounder who could feel he was a Bradman favourite. And Len said, oh, well, at least uh, Mum will be happy back at home and the kids because I'll be home for winter. <laughs> so he was a lovely, genial man from Rockhampton in Queensland, and the picture on the cover is him smiling in his cricket creams, and he's bowling basically a turf wicket in a pack. I just thought it was such a, a lovely picture of a man obviously loving his sport. And it was only a ledger back there in 1948. You know, it wasn't until the mid-90s where sort of even semi-professionalism came into the game. So they played for peanuts, these guys, and they just loved every moment. So just the joy to be on Len's face, yeah. I thought it was a beautiful photo. And certainly um, he was the unluckiest uh, cricketer of all six on the day that the touring teams goes and he doesn't get a game. That is stiff, isn't it? Uh, the, this is part of a nostalgia series that you've uh, put. Are you still putting it together? You are adding to it as you go along, or is, is this one the yeah. uh, the end of the end of the road for the nostalgia None. series? No, we're certainly doing it, uh, and not only are they my books, but there's others. Last year, for example, we did a footy book with Barry Davis. Uh, Barry Davis, the famous number 31 for Essendon, two premierships, 62 and 65, and his brother, younger brother Ken, uh, wrote that book. It's called Born to Play, and that's a beautiful, beautiful book. Uh, It comes in a slip case. I think it's almost sold out now, but if people go to my website, thecricketbooks.com.au, you might be able to get a copy there. But Barry, he was just a, 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 a boy wonder, a natural, a little bit like Kevin Costa in that famous uh, uh, baseball movie. Yeah. And he a big, uh, long-raking dropkick. And he, he said that Essendon's half-back line, Alec Eppis, uh, Bluey Shelton, and Barry Davis. So Ken Fraser, Frizzer, who's, uh, again, one of the most famous centre-half forwards, along with you know Dermot and Wayne Carey, these sorts of boys. Um, uh, Fraser used to uh, lead forward for Ellie Keppis because you just never knew, like he could kick long, but they went everywhere. Bluey Shelton, they were even worse, so he'd lead forward, but with Barry Davis, he would lead to the side and backwards because his drop kicks would go 55, 60, 65 yards in the old lingo, or 60 yards, 60 metres now. And uh, Fraser, his delivery, a little bit like a, a Peter McKenna uh, with Barry Price and Wayne Richardson back in the late 60s. It was just spot on. So that was a lovely footy book we did. I did a book uh, with Jack Potter. Um, His wife and Jack wrote it. And Jack Potter was the unluckiest. We talk about uh, some more unlucky players in one test wonders. But Jack was 12th man three times for Australia. He was a gun fieldsman, a beautiful bat. 
And one Christmas time, Kev, it shows my age, but I was scoring at the MCG, and it was a Christmas test that they played against New South Wales in those days. And Jack made 221, and I can still picture in my mind's eye the square drives to the steps of the old green concrete stand at the MCG, the Western End, yeah. now the Ponsford stand, of course. And it was the one of the best innings I've ever, ever seen. And, you know, Potter's best was right up there, just that they had... Cowper and Laurie and Stackpole and Sheehan and Bobby Simpson and so many stars, Brian Booth. He just couldn't get a, a gig. So, yeah, that was um, that was another of the nostalgia books. So uh, I like to do them when they're alive, but but, but some of the boys you know, are, are passed on, past greats. Um, Charlie Turner was Australia's greatest early bowler. So uh, Rick Sissons in Sydney did that book. So it is a lovely series of uh, 12 or 13 so far, but, yep, I'm sure there's going to be more to come, Kev. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I wanted to mention about how beautifully presented this book is, it is to, it's a throwback to uh, to the olden days of hardcover books and stuff, but it is just a, a really beautiful book to have in your hands. Yeah, it certainly feels nice, and I've had some help with the statistics of the at the back of the book, uh, you know, so we've got the, the list of the highest scores of these boys that played one test. Bert Hartkoff, for example, 100 years ago, he was the pride of Scotch College. He was Victoria's most famous schoolboy athlete. Um, 100, 200, 400 yards, high jump, long jump. He won it all. Um, you know, he was just a super athlete, a little bit like Barry Davis, uh, talking more recently. Well, in his test match, he was selected as a leg break bowler. He scored 80, batting at number eight um, in a timeless test match. The test match actually went for seven and a half days at the MCG, 1924-25. But he got dropped the next game because, uh, well, Bert, I picked you for your leg break bowling. You only got a couple of wickets. Sorry. Sayonara. See ya. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> uh, it is yeah, tough. I mean, in, mod, in modern terms, the, the nearest thing in modern terms there is probably Stuart Law, who, who had a, a really good test debut, but then uh, I think it was that fellow called Ponting again who was uh, came back and that was the end of that. Well, Pontic and Law scored a hundred partnership uh, in against the Sri Lankans Sorry, at the Wacker ninety five. Sorry, brothers, wasn't it? Who came back? In. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. So Law, he scored more than a hundred centuries. Most of them in England, where he played with Lancashire for years and years. He was a wonderful player, but he captained Queensland to four or five Sheffield Shields. So, uh, and he said that Sheffield Shield was my Test cricket. He just couldn't get a go in that star batting order uh, of Australia's in the in the mid nineties, but. As you said, he scored a half century not out, and Ponting in that game incidentally got 96, and he was given LBW when the ball hit him basically LB in the Adam's apple. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as people know, I'm the uh, president of the Australian Cricket Society, and the Ponting Foundation is our charity of choice. And Ricky uh, launched his book for our, all our members at the MCG, and I just happened uh, to have the film of that innings. He was watching a little bit of it, and then it came up to the LBW, and he just started shaking his head. <laughs> Did you see that, Ken? I said, yes, Rick. Uh, it was a bit high. A bit high? <laughs> it hit me in the throat, he said. <laughs> a little bit of exaggeration. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he so you know, the, the competitive juices of these 
athletes, Kev, it never ceases to amaze me. Like, he wanted a, that 100-on debut. And I was saying to a mate just the other day, uh, Robert Harvey uh, lives down this way, Frankston, Mount Eliza Way, um, Coach Collingwood, of course, but a star player at St Kilda. Played for 21 seasons. And I think only Fletcher um, uh, has, has done has, has, has done that uh, at, at, at Essendon, um, at Dustin Fletcher. Yeah. But I was, I was walking my dog along the Mount Eliza Beach one Saturday morning and uh, just before going to the draft. It was the 2008 draft. And I think that was the draft that pro- produced Patrick Dangerfield and this big guy just in a pair of white footy shorts and uh, brand new white runners was coming towards me and it was Robert Harvey and we've been mates we played in the same cricket teams together and I said g'day Bob g'day Master he said uh, but he was sweating he'd been up Oliver's Hill which uh, people know it's a big hill yeah. uh, and I just let him kept on going but I thought to myself here's this kid in November the first game is five months away and he's preparing for his 21st season of league football and he's out there running a mini marathon and I thought wow champions uh, they're not just born, are they? they? It doesn't happen by accident. The sheer hard work. And Shane Warne was another. I said to him once, how many hours, how many practice sessions uh, do you reckon you've put in? He said, that, well, I reckon it's about, to get to where I am right now, this is halfway through his career, about 10,000 hours. <laughs> if you equate that, like it's months and months and yeah. months of playing, training, practicing. And one of he he was always so generous, Shane Warne, and one of his mates, uh, my tree lopper, Jared Cole. We played a lot of cricket, and he played at St Kilda with Warney. And Cully said to him at one of Warney's um, uh, homecomings at Brighton, there he said, "Wow, you're looking around at all the chattels and all this, the paintings, and gee, you've done pretty well for a, a fellow in blue shorts carting beds." And he said, "Cully." Um, mate, you don't know how hard I've worked. You just don't know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, and, and he walked off again because people think he had this innate ability. He did, but he worked at it. He worked at it just so so hard. And, when and you, when uh, as, as it, I say, when you look at it, Ken, the blokes like uh, like Shane Warne, who's I think Test debut figures was one for one hundred and fifty. Um, yep. He, you know, Bryce McGain's was none for one hundred and forty nine. Shane's was one for one hundred and fifty. One plays. One test and never plays again. The other one plays, what is it? I can't remember how many tests Warney finished up playing in the end, but takes 708 test wickets. Sometimes yeah, 145. Was 145 it? Yeah. test matches. So he's averaging the five wickets uh, just about a, a test match. Yeah, Bryce played one, and his was a fascinating story. He said as a young kid growing up in Mornington, he'd always dreamed of making 100 for Australia. <laughs> he, just didn't, he just didn't think it was going to come up in 11 and a half overs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. but, but Bryce, uh, he, he got a phone call. He'd, um, he was so unlucky. He was lucky to play for Australia, but he was so unlucky in that he was coming back from a really severe uh, shoulder problem. And uh, he was only half fit. He took. He came back for Victoria, took Pfizer against South Australia, and he was picked for the Tour of South Africa in 2008, all on the on this Pfizer. Nobody talked to him. If they had, they would have uh, realised that, um, you know, he was still in comeback phase. And Marcus North was picked as well. He bowled little offies, a lovely, lovely batsman, Marcus North, yeah. and a casual spinner. But anyway, he, he played in the first two test matches, but he was crook. And so McGain played in this last test match at Cape Town. Really 75% fit. He said, I just didn't have the normal paces. And as a league spin bowler, you have to be able to change up and down. You've got to keep on giving the batsman something different. Otherwise, they're going to get on to you. And 
he went, as you said, uh, for more than 100 in, you know, 11 and a half overs and then none for 149 and just wasn't selected again. He says he blesses his lucky stars that he actually toured and he played with Australia, but he just would have loved it uh, because if he hadn't played in that test match, he would have been fit enough in two months' time to tour England and play in that uh, 2009 Ashes series and would have played a big role in that. So, yeah, it's just amazing, you know, the, the sliding doors moment in, in your career, Kev. Yeah. Uh, World Series cricket obviously op- opened up the, the doors for a lot of blokes to get tests. Uh, you know, some played more than one, obviously, but uh, but there was a few in there that snuck through. So there's been those moments, and the Rebel Tours also opened up uh, some doors for blokes to get tests who who probably wouldn't have got uh, their opportunity at, at test level uh, under normal circumstances. Oh yes, spot on. Well, Jeff Moss, uh, Gacho Moss, he was one of those World Series lucky ones uh, in that the I think Kerry Packer signed thirty five, maybe thirty six of the best cricketers going around, and so it gave opportunities. There were twenty four lads picked for the first time in those years in the yeah. late seventies in the two years of World Series. Groucho March was one at uh, age 31, and he said he had no aspirations. He went to Brighton Grammar, uh, Pekofsky's school, Simon Davis's school. Simon got a game in the mid-'80s, as he said, with the Rebel Tours. Yeah. And uh, the, one of his coaches had a cricket stump, and he'd stand behind the net, and the wickets were pretty close. And every time Mossy sort of – he was only a little in those days – Every time he withdrew, sort of put his back foot towards the leg stump, the the the, the, the coach would get the pointy end of the stump <laughs> and said, go across your stump, son, go across your stump. <laughs> so Mossy quickly learned <laughs> getting jabbed in the backside all the time. But uh, he, uh, he scored a century against Andy Roberts in New South Wales. Andy was the star import. And Sam Loxton was the selector on duty, and Neil Harvey was a, a test selector uh, as well. And Loxton said to Harvey after Moss in his second game had made a century against you know, New South Wales in a virtual test match, a test standard with all these stars, where have you been hiding this bloke from? Uh-huh. And within a year, Moss was playing for uh, Australia. So, uh, again, just um, you, you run with your opportunity. You, you don't say no um, a, a little bit like some of the test captains like uh, Ian Craig, um, the older ones will remember him. He was 17 when he made a double century against South Africa. And Don Bradman asked him to captain Australia. And at the time, Craig was 21 years old. And as he said to me, and it's such a joy, Kev, like you do your lovely music interviews. Like I, I love the Elvis Costello one just a few weeks ago. Like um, you're talking nostalgia with these old players. And I said to Ian Craig, well, what did you say to the Don? He said, well, of course. I said, yes. You don't. No one says no to Don Bradman. Uh-huh. And um, he toured England twice, uh, Ian Craig, before he was ready. He dropped out of cricket early because of hepatitis. But will always be Australia's youngest test captain, a little bit like a Wayne Carey. I think he captained yeah. uh, North Melbourne at a very young age, might have been 20 or 21, but that was inspired decision uh, by John Kennedy slash Dennis Pagan, who, who took over. Yeah, so, so the, the, the young ones, when they've got the fire in the belly and they've got that passion in the eyes, you look at it and... Uh, Yep, let's go with them, yeah, and that's exactly. what happened. Hey, were you surprised there was seventy uh, in this category? Were you surprised there was that many of them? 
Well, when I started doing the book, and it was all inspired, I was doing some work with uh, Anthony Years and Years, uh, the cricket commentator with uh, Sport 927. Yep. And Darren Pattinson was in England, and he played four or five games with Victoria, and he, he's got a, he's English-born, he's got a passport, English passport. And so he wanted to take his uh, uh, little kids, his wife, two young kids on a holiday to England, and uh, Nottinghamshire, uh, famous home of Larwood, Vos, Frank Tyson, in a real fast bowling haven, heard about it and invited him to come and play some county games. Yeah, sure, that's fine. And um, England, South Africa were touring England at the time and they had two or three fellas in doubt. And Pattinson took two fifers in a row, just playing a county level, and he got a phone call out of the blue. Um, we're short. Uh, the game's at Leeds. Uh, do you mind coming over just in case there's a standby? Yeah. Jimmy Anderson was a little bit sore. A fellow called Sidebottom didn't know if they were going to play. And uh, here's the Australian Darren Patterson from Dandenong, a roof tiler, a greyhound trainer, going across. And he, uh, the captain of England at the time was uh, Nasser Hussain. And he had to actually introduce himself to his captain at the breakfast table good, that very morning. And Nasser said to him, oh, well, you're only a standby. You, you probably won't be needed. And um, gets to the ground. Anderson's okay to play, the great Jimmy Anderson, but Sidebottomer has dropped out, and suddenly this kid's in the test match, the Aussie kid, and it created a hue and cry. Serene both of them thought it was just another convict. How can it possibly <laughs> true? Playing for us, playing for England. Surely someone can bowl fast. He was scathing, was uh, was either. <laughs> and uh, Pattinson took a couple of wickets, got back to Australia, and I did love the interview for him. Um, with him for Sport 927. Yeah. And and I said at the, the little top and tail to Andrew Cuse at the studio, well, there's a, will he be a, just another one-test wonder or will he get a, a game for Australia? And, of course, he was well down the pecking line for Australia. And Andrew said to me, gee, one-test wonders, I like that. That could be your next book. So that was 2008. So this one's been a long time coming, Kev, but there's yeah. been a, a lot in between. But it just put the seed in my mind. And with COVID, uh, with us, you know, down here, on the peninsula, you know, like you, we could only travel 5Ks, couldn't go up and see my mum, now 98, these sorts of things. So I had 24-7, I just worked on the book, got it done, and, and here it is. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Whether it's Peter Allen's uh, terrific story about him, whether it's Ross Duncan who was injured before he made his test debut or, you know, some of the, the Colin Guests and the Bo Cassins and some great stories, uh, fantastic. 70 uh, terrific stories, 15 minutes of fame. Ken, once again, congratulations. Your 64th cricket book, I think you said, and your, about your 85th book uh, all up. Uh, but, again, uh, uh, good luck to you for the future. I know there's another 85 books coming and we're looking forward to reading every single one of them. Kev, that's really, really kind. Keep up the fantastic interviews. I know that's across the, across the whole spectrum, isn't it? Like you did a cooking person the other day. Oh, you're, we're doing them you're all. A, <laughs> yeah, you're a true all-rounder. And for people, they can't get the book. Uh, it is at Dimmicks in Melbourne and in the basement there in Collins Street, but they can get it online, cricketbooks.com.au. And as always, Kev, I, I just love speaking to you. All the very best, mate. My thanks to Ken for his time, his dedication and love and passion for cricket. You would have heard it there and for football as well. Uh, just He's a beauty and uh, always look forward to uh, what's next on the uh, on the menu from uh, from Ken Peace, a very prolific Australian author and uh, a very good one to, uh, to follow 
uh, as you uh, want to find out more about uh, all sorts of different areas. But uh, in the sporting arena, there's none better than Ken. But thanks also to our podcast partners for their support. It's great to have them and they'll support you. They'll help you. They'll guide you uh, through the uh, the finances, uh, whichever area of finances it is that uh, you want to talk to them about. They have the experts in the field and they have the knowledge. So give them a call. Double nine seven four eight triple three CSCG. .com.au. Hope you enjoyed this edition of the Authorised Podcast. There's many more to come and many more to go and check out uh, wherever you found this podcast. Have a look around. Uh, check out some of the other authors. We've done sport. We've done uh, all sorts of different areas. History. Uh, we've done politics. We've done cooking. We've done fiction. You name it, it's in there in this uh, series so far of Authorised. Hope you enjoyed this one. Till the next time, I'm Kevin Hillier. Take care of yourself.